Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me as always is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. Hey, it's good to be back. Excited to talk about this with Tyler, aka Verum. I know that he's been looking forward to reviewing some media. He's always told me he wants to read the book first and then, you know, see the show. So I'm sure. interested to hear his thoughts on, yeah, um, on the Wheel of Time tonight. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so when Gabe says this, he means season one of the Wheel of Time TV show, which is um, has just last Friday. Well, whenever, yeah, whenever this releases, it'll be last Friday, uh, whenever the uh, season one finished. So... Yeah, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about season one, our thoughts, um, things we liked, things we didn't like. Um, We're going to do some comparison to the book, of course, since we just got finished doing three podcasts on the first book of the series. Um, And then we'll do our like final thoughts and then we'll talk about some things we hope to see in season two and uh, things that uh, like storylines we want to see, characters we want to... meet and uh yeah so that's going to be the general plan for this uh episode here and uh make sure you go to pagesoflight.com to uh check out all the stuff we're doing over there and you can also follow us on social media facebook youtube uh instagram and goodreads as well so yeah let's just jump into it uh so i think we'll just start off giving just like some if you haven't watched the show at all, some like or read the books, I guess, um, some like non-spoiler, uh, like talk, just a little bit of like, do, do, what do we recommend it? I guess is like the is the question. Do you think it's a do you think it's a good show in general, and would you recommend it to somebody else watching it? Uh, I guess I think it's a good show, and I would recommend, especially if you're going in cold turkey. It's a sure. really fun and fast-paced way to jump into a realm that's kind of like um you know the hobbit and you know this fantasy land with uh creatures and monsters that don't uh, exist here on our plane of existence and yeah i think i think it's a fun kind of wild ride (laughs) yeah for sure yeah i would agree with that i do think it's a a good show and if you i do think this would if i had I'm trying to think of like whenever I saw the Lord of the Rings movies that inspired me to go back and read the books and get more in, immersed in that world. And I think if you saw this show and you hadn't read any of the books, that it would inspire you to go back and read the books, um, which is I think is a is a is a high is high praise for the show because. Um, um, you don't want it to be like somebody sees the show and then they're like, oh, I'd never want to read the books now. So um, I think it does a good job in that way. Just like the whole like explaining the world of the Wheel of Time and like getting making it engaging and interesting and um, not boring. Um, but yeah, so I think it's in general, I would recommend it uh, to anybody. I think it's uh, I think it's really good. Um, yeah, so yeah, those so, of you into fantasy and stuff. Yeah, sure. If you're into <laughs> fantasy, if you don't like fantasy, then you you might you. you might not like it because it is pretty high fantasy magic and um 
interesting creatures. Fantastical kind of creatures. Yeah, fantastical creatures. Um, but if you like fantasy, you will probably dig this show a lot. Indulge. Um, so, yes. So that concludes non-spoiler recommendations and stuff. Um, Which is hard to do. Yeah, because that part's over. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to... Well, one, one other thing about the non-spoiler, I will say, is the performances by all the actors are really good. Um, mm. So I think all the acting is done really well, and I think the portrayal of all the different characters that are in the books is done really well. So I think that the casting itself is done really well. And, um, and I think that just helps to make it um, a good show, because even if you have like the best source material in the world, if you have bad casting or actors that don't... Um, like aren't into the role then you can have a bad experience with the show just because maybe you can tell that the acting isn't on point or you know whatever um but i do think that was um a good point for the show which is non-spoilery but it also leads me into like high points of the season and what we what i liked about it um is yeah the casting is just really well done um and i think all the portrayal of the characters is is great especially the like the emmons field folk rand perrin matt's Egwene, Nynaeve, I think all of the casting, and Moraine and Lan as well. I think all all of those actors did a really uh, good job on portraying their characters and who they were, who they seem to be in the books, and like how the book describes them to be. I thought like all their personalities were well done by all of those actors. I don't know. Did you feel the same way? Uh, I I thought that they got Moraine um, spot on. Um, yep. I don't know the actor's name who was Moraine, um, but uh, Rosamund she was Pike. awesome. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Lan was really good, and um, Rand was also really good. I thought that those three were spot on. Sure. Um, and Nynaeve did a good job, but they did not capture her anger. Like, she is so angry in the book. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I did not feel the anger um, that Nynaeve has in the book. She's angry about everything in the book. Yeah. Like, she's always like, the light burn you, you Aes Sedai. Like, she can't stand the Aes Sedai. And she's, the yeah. light burn you. And, um, yeah, she's just not that angry in that. That's I guess, okay. She's like, I guess they don't want to make her, like, super unlikable for the show like you don't want they don't want you to hate Nynaeve I guess yeah um which I don't really think that I hated her in the book I just think yeah you might be right that they don't maybe she just doesn't have enough scenes where she can show that because there wasn't a ton of scenes where she's just talking directly to Moraine I don't think uh in the show um so maybe just there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for her to kind of show that um Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's going to be a ton of seasons of this show, so hopefully that can um, be shown in later seasons. Um, yeah, other high points. Um, I think like all of like the world building portions of the show were really well done. Like the the costume design and like the set design and making you feel like those were real places. Um, yeah, I just think all of that kind of stuff was really well done in the like making you like imagining how it would be like reading the book and then seeing it in the show i feel like they captured a lot of the the scenes really well and like the especially like the cities like the white tower when we get to go to the white tower like i loved all of that kind of stuff um uh 
in book one, we don't really get to go to the White Tower technically, um, but uh, seeing that kind of stuff and all the political stuff, I think was really well done as well. Just kind of painting the picture of like the different factions and um, like the power struggle. Um, so like that whole part of the world building was uh, was really cool as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any any thoughts on that or anything specifically yeah, I would that you agree really loved that, in the show? Like, uh, the uh, production value was like really high. Um, like you said, the costume, the wardrobe, um, the sets were all really well done. But I also want to highlight, um, I thought that the visual effects for the one power were oh, done sure, yeah. well. Um, like the way that Moraine summons her energy and it's, you know, it coalesces around her and it's got these like striking like kind of white wisps that move like uh, yeah. like air, like having power within it that she's controlling. I thought yeah. that was a really good way to visualize it. And for people who are not deep in the lore of the Wheel of Time, they, you know, if, if these things just kind of started happening, people would be like, what's going yeah. on? I know she's doing it. But um, and then also yeah. how they made some of the tendrils like dark when it was going to a male who was um, channeling. Mm-hmm. Kind of give you that impression of, you know, um, the taint that lies upon the true source. Um, yeah. and or like how just the two sides of the power. And, yeah. And how the male side is corrupted and leading, you know, yeah. um, you know, to a dark power. Um, yeah. So and then I also think that um, the way that they wove the story was very um, like the way they explained the overarching themes that took like a whole book to come out, um, you know, and they would do it in like a few concise scenes in the, in the, um, season, you know, they, they unpacked a lot of information, uh, in, in the exchanges that they had with the, uh, the characters. Um, so yeah, so I agree with everything you say. And then I also wanted to highlight the, the visual effects on kind of how the, I said I magic worked and then um, just how they I I don't know I just felt like I could really comprehend the world a lot better a lot faster from the show than I did from the book like I said the book was a it was a journey of discovery like oh here's a new thing here's a new thing and then they like in the in the season they just kind of like tell it to you sure yeah yeah I agree I think most of the special effects were pretty well done um uh i think i remember i think in the last episode there were some special effects that weren't super great uh i was watching a video of someone going over some stuff and like the trollocs at the end where that towards that like last battle scene um like they just looked really bad the cg um they might fix it up like later and like update the episode on amazon prime um but he's he specifically mentioned like that, that it looked pretty bad. So um, that might've just been like, they ran out of time. Cause I know they shot all the episodes in order. Like they didn't jump around. Um, so like it was the last episode that they shot. So they had l- the least amount of time to make the special effects look as good as possible. Um, which I don't know if it depends on if you think that's acceptable or not for a show of with the amount of money that they're spending on it. But um yeah in general i thought it was really cool and yeah i agree about the like how they did the the weaving of the of the one power um to like kind of show that she is using some kind of magical ability because if it was um 
if there wasn't any of that shown, it, she would just be like waving her hands and like you wouldn't have any visual feedback for <laughs> what was actually yeah. happening. It's like in Harry yeah, Potter, the they have the powers and like always like summoning the energy sure. always looks so funny if like the visual effects aren't there. <laughs> Like, why is this person like person gyrating on the screen? It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, I can't remember what I was where I was going with that. Um, but oh yes, yeah, I was saying like about... with with Harry Potter, like they have the wand, which is like a visual representation of how of how the magic is, um, like acted out in the world. So. I think just having that visual aid is really helpful for the viewer just to understand kind of what's happening. And yeah, I mean, especially like with the fight scenes, like in the first episode, like watching Moraine and Lan duke it out with all of the Trollocs in uh, Emmons Field, uh, just like showing like how powerful she is. I think that was a really cool um, way to like demonstrate the Aes Sedai and like their capabilities and what they can do with the one power just to kind of get the viewer um like uh i don't know what the word would be like just to get them immersed in that whole whole world um Mm -hmm. so yeah um i don't know anything else high points of this of season one things you enjoyed were there any particular like uh scenes or um character moments there is one scene Oh, the one scene, I think it was episode seven, where we okay. see Rand's mom, the Aiel oh, woman. Yes. And that it just opens scene. on this like white landscape and this woman's like running. Yeah. And yeah. then she goes all BA on all these guys. They're coming <laughs> to like get her. And she's just like, ah, ah, ah. And then she turns around. She's pregnant, like nine months pregnant, like yeah. <laughs> very pregnant. <laughs> and then she fights off like 10 people. That was just like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that was a good that was a good scene. Yeah, that um, that was definitely the best cold I open that. to the show. That that one. Um <laughs> prop, maybe second to um the I, th- I don't remember what episode it was. Maybe it was episode 3, the one where uh they have Logan going to that city and like destroying oh, it and mm-hmm. um he like converts that king to like help him and be on his side. I thought that was a really good cold open, just introducing us to Logan and who he was. Um, and also the cold open for the last episode was really good. Um, so we finally get to meet Luz Theron Telemon, who was actually in the prologue for book one. So a lot of book fans uh, were <laughs> kind of upset that we didn't actually get to see the actual prologue to the book uh, during the breaking of the world. Um, but at least at the end of the episode or at the end of the season, we got to see him as a character, although it's a different, uh, scene than we get in the, in the books prologue. Um, but I just thought that was really cool as well, because at the end of that cold open, we get to see the reveal of like what the world was like before the breaking of the world, like this high sci-fi flying vehicles, towering skyscrapers and all that kind of stuff. Um, just to kind of show that, yes, it's a high fantasy series, but there's also an element of science fiction to this whole series as well, where the world used to be much different than it is today and what and where how we're seeing uh, the show in season one. So, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty cool as well. Um, and one more. I got one more. All right. One more. The opening uh, the opening sequence, the giant loom. It's like the wheel of time oh, yeah. and it the, builds out. 
the credits or the title. Very title. Game of Thrones esque, but yeah. um, I I really liked it. Um, I I'm a sucker for all those visual. Like I love Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I love the Daredevil opening on Netflix. Um, I Very like good. this one. Yep. Um, uh, those all take me in sometimes. So yeah. Um, just kind of it reminded me of how um i think we've said this on the podcast before that like god is weaving a beautiful tapestry and he is you know working all things together for our good and um, for the good of his people and we are on the opposite side of this giant gorgeous tapestry and we just are in the in (laughs) in the webs of all the uh different patterns that are going on Um, and so we kind of see the backside and we're not sure what the whole picture is, but, um, yeah, that, that kind of visualization of, of what's going on with, um, how God weaves the world. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, I, it would have been cool to have it be like a game of Thrones map with the wheel of time, but I understand why they couldn't have done that because then they would just be like, oh, you're just ripping off game of Thrones. Are you? So, I mean, I understand why they didn't do it, but the tapestry is pretty cool. Um, just seeing, cause it also goes into like the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. So it's like weaving and, yep. um, and even like how they depict the, the one power, like her weaving, it's like little lines, like tendrils, like lines of thread that are, uh, moving around her. So it's, there's a lot of, um, uh, th- like showing that it's kind of like, uh, like a weave that's happening in, um, in the show. Um, I don't know any other high points. I'm trying to think, um, if I can think of any scenes. Oh yes. One scene that I really enjoyed. Um, I think it was, it's in the scene whenever they all get reunited back in Tarvalon, uh, which in the books would have been Camelon, um, but they all get reunited and Moraine goes to um, take out the like the curse from Matt and her like sucking out the the uh, like the power from his mouth and then like watching oh, yeah. her it, like it like goes over her hand and then like it's trying to like get into her mouth and she's like s- sending it down her other hand and then back into the dagger. I just thought that was a really cool. Um, scene because i enjoyed that scene in the book as well and just seeing it come to life on the screen was also uh really well done that's where i was like they chose moraine well like that scene i was like yep yeah for sure they did did a good job yeah (laughs) um so yeah i thought that was a really good scene as well um i think another scene that i really enjoyed was which isn't even in the books but it's the scene with uh lan going to the funeral for his uh warder friend that is that uh commits suicide and that like uh that funeral scene where he's like pounding his chest and screaming i just that wasn't that wasn't in the books but that was like a super powerful scene and that goes again to like the casting and the actors like really bringing it in terms of their performance like make you make you really feel like an emotional connection to the characters um and like seeing him because in the books, like he's not, Lan isn't like a an emotional type character, so as me a, having that frame of reference, as a rock, I yeah, like me having that frame of reference makes that scene really impactful because I haven't seen him be that emotional before. 
Um, which I don't know, can get into like, should the show be depicting him being that emotional this early on in the show? Um, we can kind of maybe talk about that a little bit later, but just like that scene was really powerful. And you can also see Moraine feeling his pain as well. And she's like starting to cry as well because he, cause she can feel exactly what he's feeling. Um, and through Rosamund the border Pikes, what's that through the, um, not the border, the, uh, the water water bond. bond. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was also a pretty, pretty powerful scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he nailed that scene. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I don't know, do you have any other any other scenes that you really enjoyed? Nope, those were my highlights. All right. Okay, now let's uh, jump in. That doesn't mean that's the only good thing about the show. FYI, there are there are other good things that we just maybe didn't didn't remember or didn't talk about. But um, now let's just jump into some of our low points, some of the things that we did not like about the show. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do you have anything off the bat? Um, so I kind of want to go into, because low points is, is kind of like, uh, I think I'd like to talk about discrepancy a little bit between the book and, um, the show so i don't feel like the the show is not the wheel of time the book like these are two different things um there are just so many little things that are not true to the original book that um like i don't want to come off and say that they are negative things but sure I but I walked into it like the way most people are like expecting it to be the book as a movie yep. and that is not what happened here. <laughs> the yes. uh the characters are not wildly different, but they are not the same people that are in the books. Yeah. Um and I like once I swallowed that pill of okay, I am not getting the book in the show i am experienced like this is a wheel of time like in like through the portal stone you are not seeing these people as they are in the book it's close (laughs) yes but but this is a different storyline and there are different choices being made and there's different interactions with the characters yeah um and i think once i realized that i started enjoying it more because there's always this like you know, you want to compare the book to the um, to the movie or to the other production of it, and it's just not the same. And so, I can expand on that if you'd like me to go for that, or if you want to jump in here and tell us a little bit about your thoughts. Um, yeah, I will definitely agree that it's it is not the book in TV show form. I think I've heard some people say that it to like explain kind of how how this is going is like the books are one turning of the wheel and the show is another turning of the wheel where yep all the same yeah it's like it's the same story and the ending will probably be the same or ish or very similar but how they get there will be different and the characters will make different choices 
And, um, so yeah, I agree. Um, one of the, uh, and I think it was on the first episode, like they're doing for on the first episode, they have like a bunch of bonus content on like each episode. They have like a behind the scenes little thing. And for the first mm-hmm. episode, the showrunner Rafe was talking about how he, uh, in order to make the show feel more adult, they had to age up all of the characters. Um, so like they're all actually like a few years older than they were actually portrayed in the books. And that's so they could do things like make Rand and Egwene's relationship much more further along in book one than it actually was. Cause in the first book, like there's not like, they don't actually have that intimate relationship um, that they have in the, in the first, in this season of the show. Um, and so I think there was like deliberate choices made to make the show feel more, um, uh, adult and visceral and, um, try to kind of have that game of Thrones esque kind of feel. Um, so that's, yeah, it's just kind of their like thought process well, on what they were trying to achieve, I guess. Well, what I observed was, um, I definitely observed that, that, uh, Rand and Egwene are having this physical relationship and yes, in the book, you know, Rand is like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I would blush if she looked at me the wrong way in the bar. Yeah. And, then, you know, and then like 10 minutes into the first, you know, episode, it's like, oh, after we had sex, we're going to have this talk. Yes. Um, so that was one of the discrepancies where I was just like, this is a blend of our world uh, where these things are the way that they are. They over sexualized a lot of the characters. Um, so Egwene and Rand having you know sex and then um lan and moraine sharing a hot tub together like i do i don't think that that would have happened uh in the in the book at all uh there's a sense of propriety that lan has you know he's okay Mm -hmm. with getting naked with like the farm boys and um in in uh barrel on and and cleaning up but there was always like a distinction between like men and women bathing together. Uh, and then Moraine's uh, relationship with um, uh, the Amerlin uh, seat. Yeah. <laughs> like they had a, a relationship before this. I was just like, what, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is like, yeah. Um, not true to source material right there. And I just, you know, well, caveat, I get it. it caveat. We have only read the first two books so far. So if there are things that are mentioned later on in the books that we're not aware of, they may have been pulling things in from later books into this first season. Um, Cause one of the uh, YouTubers that, that I watched is true. That is very true. One of the YouTubers I watched specifically mentioned that scene. And he said mm-hmm. that in the books, um, Moraine and the Amberlynn seat, they're mentioned that they're like pillow friends. So it's like, have, it's like, implied that there's some kind of romantic relationship there but because of like when the books were written that wasn't like a popular thing to do so Mm -hmm. i'd actually until i had watched that i was on i agreed with you i was like why did they have to make moraine um like why is that even a thing in this first season um but i think that's just they're pulling in something from that's implied later in the books and that uh is beneficial for it now because that's like a popular thing to do is to promote, you know, the LGBTQ stuff. Um, and to like have that as a part of your show. Um, 
That's so, true because people are trying to normalize it. And, yes. Um, so. And there's also, there's also the scene with Lan and Nynaeve. They have sex at, towards the end of the season as well. Oh, which yeah. doesn't really happen in the books either. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that they over-sexualized um, the characters in there. That was one thing. And then there's other these, these other little things. Like, I remember watching the first episode, and I was like, minute three, this happened. Minute six, this happened. So let me read a quote here from the first episode. When they, the opening scene where they have the guy running away from... Um, the red Aja oh, yeah. and yep. uh, they're going to gentle him and the um, the what's the leader of the red Aja's name uh, Leandrin yep Leandrin Sedai so she walks up to the man and says this power is meant for women and women alone it is a gift uh, yeah. when you touch it you make it filthy and boom right there I was just like that is an ideological difference from the original wheel of time and then this version of it because she says when you touch it as a male you make it filthy where in the books it says that there's like a taint over the one power on the male side and when they reach for the one power they have to go through the taint um and so it's you know kind of like um original sin in a way like the everything that the male does it's going to be tainted by what has happened in the past yeah um and here like there's this like because you are a man and you are touching it Mm -hmm. um it's it's forbidden to you and you are polluting it just by trying to do it and i and i just picked up on that i was like nope this is not from the book (laughs) yeah well the thing Um, is is like it's already polluted like them touching it doesn't make it better or worse it's just the way that it is um so i think in the book yeah in the book yeah um and i think they're just they're trying to make the red sisters like they were trying to make you hate them essentially. And they were trying to make it like they were trying, I think they were trying to take their ideology to like the nth degree and to like take it really far just to make you yep. really see, really uh, paint the picture between the ideological differences of the different Ajas. Um, Cause again, and like in the first book, like you don't really get all of that political stuff of like ideological differences between the Ajas, like even towards um, even at the end of like book two, like we really don't get a ton of the political stuff with the Ajas. We get a lot more of it in book two, but it's not nearly as much as we got in this first season of the television show. Um, so yeah, I think they're just, I think that's one criticism I have of the show is that they, I feel like they were trying to condense so much stuff into this first season that it was almost like they were losing some of the things from the first book that would have been good to show and more impactful. And instead of doing that, they just tried to pull in stuff from a bunch of other shows or a bunch of other books to kind of make it this more game of Thrones esque thing. Whereas like there's this political intrigue and stuff like that. Um, and I think they could have, um, if this was like maybe 10 episodes, I think they just needed a little bit more room to breathe in like this first season. I think they, especially like the first episode, like we meet all of our characters 
and then by the end of the first episode, we're already on the adventure. Like, how can you introduce all of the characters and everything in the Wheel of Time world and then already have them like in a, at a point where they're like, okay, we have to go on this adventure. Um, it just seemed very like way too fast. And I don't know. I don't know if you had a similar thought on that or. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, same, same. But like, I like that goes with the, you know what I was saying about the over sexualization. Like, I think that it is a combination of our world and the book world and people who don't know this, they want, they want it fast and they want it to go. And yes, as, as book readers, we have sloshed through those chapters of yeah. pure background content information yeah. <laughs> and we drink it in and we love it. Um, it's also a little tedious, but it builds out the world so much better. And I think it's just about um, I, I think this show does a really good job of getting people interested in the wheel of time. I think that sure. it's getting, um, you know, gaining momentum people. It's becoming more mainstream for people to like it and to know it. Um, so yeah. I think that's all good. And I think they just, they just hit the ground and said like, we're going to make it fast paced. We're going to make it interesting and we're going to go as yeah. fast as we can. And of course I agree with you 100%. They fit, you know, how many hours is the book? Like 20, I, I don't know page numbers, you know, page numbers like yeah. <clears throat> into eight hours of content. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, they could have, they could have taken more time, but I I also think it's also about, they wanted to move it fast and they wanted to, um, you know, make it hot and spicy for, uh, people who are new because they didn't, they didn't want to lose the viewer's attention on it. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, my, my whole point with that was just like, I think they could have just, taken a little bit more time to like really let us get to know the characters a little bit more just because you're kind of like forced in not like forced but like they're just rushing all of these uh relationships i think the acting is is good so that like it helps you makes it more believable that they have these lives and they're um you know they're really good friends and all these different things um I think there was just some scenes that they could have included to like really make those relationships um, better. Um, yeah. In the first episode also, like there, there's just another little thing that, you know, just the way like you're a man, you're tainting the one power that was just ideologically different from the the book was when Pot on Thane comes into uh, the two rivers and he's talking to Matt and Matt is like, I stole this for you and now pay me money for it. I forget what he stole. Sure. Um, and again, it was just like this fundamental difference that Matt Coffin is like a prankster. He's like a kid who's going to, yeah. you know, cover the dogs in flour and let them run through the house. Yeah. Like, I don't think that he is a thief. I don't think that he was a person that would go into someone else's home that he knows and steal their stuff. Yes. Um, you know, and I just think that that was a departure from the character of him. Uh, but as we see through the season, you know, through the Wheel of Time episodes on Amazon Prime, it's like he is a darker character. Um, at the end, he's yes not with the group, and he's off. I think back at Shadar Logoth, where he found the dagger. And no, I think I he's. In, I think he went back to Tarvalon. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, he it is. It just seemed like a. He's darker. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah. Also, another thing with, with Matt and his kind of backstory is, like they made his parents like or his father specifically, like, <laughs> really crap humans. Like his father's an abuser and all of this stuff, which Womanizer. is not is not the case in the book. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, just I don't know, there's like things that they like decisions that they make to like make the characters more interesting in the show and like give them more. I guess they like make edgy. them like people in our world, like people that are you know that they have the father that was abused, not like. They're, they're, they're making they're trying to identify with the audience versus like being true to the source text like yes. not this little back backwater town where you know there's yeah. the same 150 people year after year yeah um, you know it's and it's just like a, a connection thing like oh we've we've all known the guy who abuses his wife and cheats around and womanizes sure. and stuff I mean I don't think I know that guy <laughs> I, I probably have met him and didn't realize sure. it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. It's like, it just seems to me like some of those things were just completely unnecessary. Like, I don't feel like that. Like Added could, depth to the, yeah. Like you could have, you could have just used normal book Matt, um, and had him just been like a prankster and more like a happy character. But I, I guess they just wanted to have like within the party, somebody who, somebody who felt, like more pulled towards the dark side, I guess, in a way, and to kind of have that struggle within the group. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, I, maybe if they would have done it, maybe whenever he gets the dagger and then they can kind of see that pull towards the dark, which actually does happen in the book. So you can still have the character of, of Matt, that's more true to the book towards the beginning, but then you can have him kind of get pulled to that more darker side of himself. Um, whenever he gets the dagger, because the dagger is feeding off of um, its own darkness and then the darkness that's inside Matt as well. And so that's, mm-hmm. I don't know that you necessarily had to like completely change his backstory as a character to have it feel like he is a darker character. Um, Cause like he, he doesn't really get cured towards the very end of the, of book one. So, um, and even still, he's not completely cured. Um, he still has some connection to that dagger. Um, so yeah, there's just small stuff like that. And there's also, I think also has to do with like the aging up of all the characters is like parents backstory. Like they have him have a wife already. Um, and then he kills her on accident which is why he doesn't want to use the axe anymore um so i don't know that again like it's why like is is that yeah is that i was necessary by the is whole like what is that giving married thing i was like what are we doing here yeah yeah but i i understand what you were saying while toward at the beginning whenever you were talking about like you have to swallow the pill that is saying this is not going to be a uh, retelling of book one in the wheel of time it is like i was always telling it's uh, the multiverse it's a different experience with the same people yeah i was always telling uh my wife katie about uh 
like I was saying, this is this TV show is inspired by the Wheel of Time. It is not the Wheel of Time, because if you read the yeah. books, it is not the same story. Um, so, yeah. On any other, what yeah. You, what else you got? Yeah. Um. There was one more thing I was trying to think about. Uh. Just the difference in the characters. Um. Oh. So. I, I also huge departure from um the book and I understand why the the dragon reborn could be a man yes, or a woman exactly um and it, it like it just if you're following the book it has to be a man yes because uh the dragon is a man and he yep. um he broke the world he's he's responsible and the reason why there are no male Aes Sedai is because he broke and tainted the the power, and um, everyone who is male and touches the power is doomed to go mad. And I get it. It's so it's from my perspective, it seems like it's um, about saying that men men and women are equal, which is something that in media and in cinema has not been yeah. the case. You know, in like the fifties, they're so misogynistic, and like the women are like complete, completely helpless, and the man has to come in and like yeah. be the big strong guy or like do the smart thing, and yeah. you know, let's walk through this door and we'll be saved, and I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I do, I do like, um, I'm all about empowering women and having strong female leads because now every time Vivian watches a movie on Disney, it's about a strong woman. Like we watch frozen and we watched Encanto and, uh, which was really good by the way. I recommend it. It's, um, it is heavy into musical theater. So just <laughs> be aware of that. going in. <laughs> um, but it was very good and I'm all about that. Um, but if you go to the source text, like there's no way that it could be a woman. I do like that they made all five of them Taviran because I was like, in the book, I was like, why aren't they Taviran? Like the world is changing around, you know, Egwene and Nynaeve. Like maybe I not as were, much. I thought they were all five Taviran in the book. I thought, um, yeah, I think only the three boys were identified as Taviran. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um, but that's what I thought I remembered. Um, but, yeah, I think that, regardless, I think all five of them should be Taviran, even though it's not, um, Yeah. you know, I thought it was kind of weird. that, And maybe I got it wrong, but I thought Robert Jordan only put that the three boys were Taviran. Yeah. I don't so I, I really like that. What's that? Uh, it's just I don't remember the specifics, but yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, again, I was just like departure from the book. Um, and it's hard. It was hard for me, like for the first couple of episodes. Um, and I'm usually like not like this. I'm very much like you go in it's going to be the experience that it is. Yeah. But I just like because we've done this podcast and we've like. <laughs> analytically like yeah, yeah. jumped into our, our thoughts about it like the the differences just sprung out at me like yes the the departures in like the characters and the, the way that they behaved um yeah yeah so i like it's really weird because it sounds like i didn't enjoy the experience because all i can do is point out discrepancies but <laughs> i'm having fun with it and i don't think that all of them are wrong so <laughs> yeah 
um, yeah, going off of like that was I did that was one thing I really did not like. It was just that they had to say that the dragon could be male or female. We don't know which one it's gonna be. And I get like the whole women empowerment thing, but like the Wheel of Time is like super already empowering to women, like in the book. Like men cannot use magic. Like there's a whole order of women mage mage magic users and they basically like run a lot of the world. And so like I feel like there's already enough in like the women empowerment thing to like just having it just like that departure from the book is just like why does that even need to be there because like the whole point of the dragon reborn is that it's a man like that's the whole point of it that's why it's gonna be something crazy that's that's happening because they have the power to either destroy the world or to like remake it and fix it so um yeah i just didn't really again like things that are just unnecessary that they didn't really need to change, but they just wanted to, um, for some reason. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was a big one for me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that one bothered me the least out of all of them. Oh, really? Um, just, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I was annoyed with, um, <laughs> some of what did i mention just like like why why make matt like a dark like a me like a yeah you know a person who's gonna steal from people that he knows and and i was just confused by parent being married it's like yeah i kind of didn't even realize it until at the end he's like i love my wife yeah i loved her yeah <laughs> like oh yeah he was i guess he's married yeah and then towards the end there was like in the last episode i think it was maybe it's the yeah let's talk about the final encounter well like before that like with the characters there's like that weird love triangle thing where it's like you like parent is supposedly loves Egwene, and which i think was a little bit hinted at in the books um but i think the maybe just the scene was just weird and it was like really teen drama-y and it just like felt out of place for like what was happening around them. Like there's an army of people coming here to kill us. And like, we're sitting here worried about who likes who it's like, let's all, let's all get our priorities straight here, folks. Um, which I feel like if they aged up the characters, like we would have been able to avoid stuff like that. Um, like the teen drama kind of stuff, but you know, whatever, maybe that scene just didn't really land with me. Um, but yeah the the final encounter um so uh it is it is different oh yeah there's just so there's just so much stuff that's different from the books um because in the books they all go to the eye of the world together and there's uh in the show we do not get to meet the uh the green man the uh protector of the eye of the world so we don't even get to meet him which was too bad because i thought that that could have been a cool uh, encounter yeah it would have been great to seen him portrayed yeah and then we also don't get any uh of the forsaken um mm-hmm. it's just rand versus uh Baelzaman, the dark one and yeah which again is too bad because that would have um added some more world building we could have gotten to see like um just the power of those carapace head what's his name uh yeah <laughs> the forsaken Aganor. Yeah, that was one of the Forsaken. I yeah. wanted to see Carapace Head. 
Yeah. <laughs> was that the other it. one that the green man killed? Yeah. I don't remember. Um, but him and Aganor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I th- the ending of the eye of the world, like wasn't amazing. Um, but there was like this, the, the scene with the, uh, the women Aes Sedai going to defend the, uh, cause like the, the Tarwin's gap, like that wall, that little fortress that they had at the, at the gap there, uh, had fallen. Mm-hmm. And so all the, the enemies are pouring through and they make this, like, they just like lay waste to all of the, the army because they like channel like the, the women who's, I think his sisters with Lord Agomar, um, she's like leading them and yeah. she's like, pu- she's channeling mm-hmm. the one power, like through all of them to like, so that she can, she's get, like, using them like batteries. Yeah. yeah essentially. She's like, let me draw on your strength and I'll do the yeah. zapping. Yeah. Um, which is, is, is a pretty which big kills, departure from like, the book. Yeah. Them. Yeah. It does kill and, three uh, of them because she basically like, it's too much power for them to handle. Um, and like the whole thing with the one power is if like you take in too much one power than you've ever had before and you don't know how to control it all, it'll just like burn you out. And, and literally that's, that's, that is what happens to, um, some of the women there, they just get like their face like crumbles and like singes and like burns their eyes out. Um, which is, is, it was a good, it was good, like special effects and a good visual for like what that process would be like. Um, but again, it's just like completely different from the book. Like in the books, like they all go to the eye of the world and none of them are back there in that battle or even related to that battle at all. Um, and Rand is the one who goes and defeats all of the armies. Yeah, um, which would have been like really cool. Like, and I think they they could have done that because yeah. it would have shown like just how powerful Rand is going to be as the yes. Dragon Reborn. Um, yeah. I think that would have been a cool like. It is real, like I like I said, I had to reread that part several times to be like, okay, he teleported <laughs> to the battlefront, and yes. then he like lightninged and and earthquaked all the Trollocs dead, and then he walked up <clears throat> the pat like the invisible staircase in the sky and went and fought the Dark One on a different plane of existence, like that was uh, <laughs> you know it was like a lot to wrap my head around but at the same yeah. time like rand is the dragon reborn and yes. we don't see him like you know yeah. like he kind of channels you know yeah. when he's going against the dark one yeah i mean what we don't even think? get the re- we don't even get the reveal of the dragon reborn until episode nine right yeah it's like he doesn't it doesn't even tell us that he is the dragon reborn until then um so we don't get well so whenever we get that reveal we get things like like flashbacks to like different portions of the season where like he was channeling. We just didn't know like whenever he knocks down the door at that scene in the four Kings with her for the, uh, with the little maid. Um, and then whenever he channels in the ways to protect Egwene, uh, different scenes, um, just showing like that he was the one who was channeling in those different, uh, scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, th- I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to view this as like if you're not a book reader I think the way they did it with like having the mystery of like who it was and having the reveal towards the end I think it was like well executed because that's what they were going for um 
So like if I was not a book reader, I probably would have thought it would have been Nynaeve because she was shown to be super powerful. She could heal all these people. Um, yep. um, and she makes that big force field in the ways to keep out the, uh, 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 the wind, the black wind or whatever. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Mashadar. The Mashadar. Um, so like, I think that, no, it's Mon Chin Chin. Sorry. Mashadar. Yeah. Mashadar is from Shadow Logoth. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and it couldn't have been, I don't think it could have been Matt because he was like doing without the darkness and all that kind of stuff. And then Perrin, we know has this thing with the wolves. So I don't think it could have been him. So I think the only two characters, like it basically come down, come down to Moraine, Egwene, or not Moraine, uh, Nynaeve, Egwene, and Rand. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And because Rand had never been shown to channel throughout the whole first season until that reveal, um, maybe that was like an indicator that was going to be him because we haven't seen him do anything basically the whole season. Um, but yeah. Um Another thing with that scene in with the women with the channeling and that kind of stuff, um, like they they kill the whole army and all the Trollocs, and then like she can't like turn off the power, like she's killing her friends um, because she can't mm-hmm. like make it stop or whatever, and so she burns herself out and kills herself. Um, but then also Nynaeve basically somehow she's able to channel the power that's going th- she's able to take the power that's going through Egwene and channel it through herself so that Nynaeve gets burnt out and not Egwene and so oh yeah Nynaeve mm-hmm. gets killed she gets burnt out she dies as what we're led yep. to believe and then <laughs> for some reason Egwene can just channel and just heal her for so for some reason and wh- like why doesn't she heal the other women that are also with her uh, th- that scene it's was because just really her love weird. that runs so deep for Nynaeve that she is able to do this intuitively. Yeah, don't give the love excuse. <laughs> it's the only. It's the only possible. It's the only explanation. explanation. I don't know. That scene was just weird. I did not like it at all. It was a cool visual, but like it was just completely unnecessary. I, I guess they just yeah, had to I, do that because I they was like they had to have the the battle at the yeah they had yeah, to have they the had battle to show this Trolloc army. Um, yeah. And I think the issue they had uh, yeah, was, I think the issue they had, because in book, in the first book, they don't like the other characters don't really have much to do at the end. It's basically just going to be Rand and the dark one and the forsaken and all those people. Um, and Moraine of course is there, but like the other characters don't really do much of anything and they're just kind of right in the, in the side. Like we don't even really know what's ha- what happened with them. I think they all got like, Maybe I think maybe the Forsaken like incapacitated a bunch of them. I can't remember all the specifics, but that's yeah, prime like, example uh, of like they don't really do much of anything. And so I think they in the show they had to like feel like they had to give all these other characters something to do. Um, whereas in the books <laughs> they didn't have anything to do. To and so they ju- they're the just going to take they're going to take things that Rand did and just give them to the other characters, um, which I don't know. I don't really think that's that undermines like the power that the dragon reborn is displaying, I guess. And so mm-hmm. like, cause you take those things away from Rand, you're not, ex- not really seeing how powerful he's going to be. Um, 
and yeah, we just, yeah. Again, just like things that were changed that maybe are, weren't really necessary and they, they like, they, uh, take away from like the character development for other characters. And yeah, I like the first, especially the first two books, it's basically all Rand. Like it's just Rand story. I haven't read the third book yet, but I think that's just the problem with trying to adapt it in a TV show sense is that the first, at least the first two books are basically all about Rand and we only get a few side chapters from other characters' points of views. Um, so I can, I understand like why they have to make some changes to like make the other characters more interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying it was maybe handled maybe a little poorly. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the end scene. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was like, okay. I was just, you know, again, I was just more like confused. Like what? Okay. All right. We got these eyes to die. They're going to show their power. Uh, and then the Angriol showed up in the last uh, little bit there, like to tell yep. Rand to channel all of his power. Yep. Uh, I was kind of o- underwhelmed by their choice of the dark one. I was just like, it's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like True. a kind of, kind of like a Europe. I don't know. Was he European? Yeah, I don't know. He was something. Um, I think that uh, the choice they made with him is specifically referencing things that happen later in the books of like who he actually is as a character, who the Dark One is. Mm. Um, So I think that might be just laying the foundations for. Oh, I thought it was cool when Rand shot him with the arrow. That was a that was a cool scene. and he pushed it in, and it yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then it, you know, took all the burn marks away from him. Yeah. Uh, because apparently, you know, he's he channels so much of the power that he's getting burned physically, and then he's also like healing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, did we sound negative? I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I we are sounding pretty negative. negative. But. I okay so just disclaimer for our listeners like I did <laughs> it is hard to separate the analytical part of my mind yeah. knowing that I'm going to talk about this on the podcast and like looking for things to talk about uh it, it's tough because like I I want to like it because I feel like if someone was watching it cold turkey they'd really enjoy it and I feel like it's good for the wheel of time. Like it's getting yes. exposure and popularity. Yes. But at the same time, like we we looked at the book and, you know, we've only read, you know, we've both at this point have read both books, like the first two books. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do the next podcast on um, the Great Hunt and the Horn of Valier. And that's all coming, but it's hard. It is very difficult for us to, to sit there and talk about the books on the podcast and then know that we're going to talk about the show and yeah. not look for things that are different. So, yeah. um, just again, I thought it was a good show and I am still in a place where I'm struggling <laughs> with it, not being the book yeah. and deviating from the source material but it's important that we just look into those things and see yeah. like how are things different and and what decisions were being made um and it's just it's just because it's fun to talk about it that way but yeah. 
please don't think that we were overly negative because I think we both really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I think like as as just a show by itself, if I'm not doing any comparisons to the book, I think it's a good show. Like if I didn't watch right. the wheel if, if I didn't read the books and I wasn't coming at this from a book to TV show comparison, then I would say like yeah, this is a really great show and I would enjoy watching this. Like for example, I'm watching The Witcher. I actually just finished season 2 of The Witcher today as of recording this. And I think The Witcher season 2 is so good whereas The Witcher season 1 was eh, so-so, but I'm not somebody who read the Witcher books, so I don't have any frame of reference for what was in the books or what how how it was changed for the show. So, and I think like the the Wheel of Time can do something similar, where maybe it has a rocky first season, and lots of people give their opinions and feedback and what did or didn't work in that first season. And they can make really good adjustments and change things for the second season. Um, so like even even as a person who didn't read the books, like I wasn't a huge like season one was good, but it was like kind of disjointed and some of the chronolo- chronology was a little off because like I didn't necessarily know when things were happening to and uh, to which people and when those things were happening to those different characters and how it all fit together. Um, but season two is much more we're here and we're going through this storyline and all of the characters are in one timeline. Um, and it just makes the story much more cohesive and uh, easy to follow. Um, <laughs> that's my season, season two of the Witcher review, quick review there for you. Um, uh, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> um, which is a great show, by the way, you should go watch it. My um, wife has watched it. It seems pretty cool. I haven't yeah, seen it. I would, I would recommend it. it um, but I think, yes, this show is good. The problem is we're looking at it specifically from a book perspective. And whenever you do that, and I, I have to know that the showrunner, uh, Rafe Judkins, knew that this was going to happen. He knew that there were going to be hardcore book fans who were going to uh, riot and have their, their their pickets and their signs and all of that kind of stuff. He had to know that, that this was going to happen. And uh, yeah, I just... But the problem is he was trying to make a show that was good for that was as good as possible for both portions of the fan base, the people who never read the books and the people who are hardcore book fans. And he had to try to do something that was down the middle, which honestly is an impossible task. Like there was no way that he was going to be able to make something that was as true to the books as possible and also have pulled in a bunch of fans. Yeah, exactly. The books are really (laughs) slow. And so you could like, not just follow the eye of the world, you know, chapter by chapter. Like it was just, that was never going to work for a TV show, especially right. in the, like a, in a post game of Thrones world. Um, you know, like it's just not, it was just unfeasible. Um, I think the only thing is like podcasts like this and like people doing episode breakdowns and giving their thoughts on all the different episodes, like all of these things can just maybe help, the showrunners like listen to the feedback and what people who've read the books think about the, the think about the decisions they made and what, and like things to change. Um, now of course some things they can't like go back and fix because they've already been uh, done in the first season, like changing the backstories for the characters like Perrin and Matt and making them kind of different than where they were, how they are in the books. Like you can't really go back and fix and change those things. Um, but I think they can take a lot of 
like the feedback to heart and kind of make it make season two better the way that the witcher uh uh, did so i don't know that was kind of like my final verdict i'm trying to think of like what i would rate this show i feel like that's like a hard question because i think it's a good okay so here's how you're gonna do it you're gonna rate it once for as a book lover and once for as a standalone (laughs) product okay and uh gabe's is that your cat that's crawling across the screen? <laughs> yes, it is uh, this is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, cat that Jenna and I bought together because she had two dogs and I had two cats. And Luthor's the linchpin, and he's chewing on the electrical cord. And yeah, <laughs> you'd be good over here. Okay, sorry. Cool. Um, yeah. So as a book fan, I feel like I have to give this like like a six or something because it's just it's just it's if you're going into the show thinking it's going to be like the book you're just going to be disappointed and like that was like the first few episodes where i was just like "Eh, Mm -hmm. this just isn't really hitting what i wanted it to be you know um Mm -hmm. but i think as just its own show and if i hadn't read the books and i was just coming into it with no knowledge of the wheel of time i mean i would probably have to give this like an eight something like that um i mean it's a good show it's just not the same as the book that's that's just the way it is so i don't know what's your what's your rating final verdict final oh yeah i'm i'm with you i'm i'm with you on the on the six i feel like um and i want like and then like not and then again like eight eight point five for like it being a show if I had just gone into a cold turkey. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, we're just... We, we are not the in the majority. We are, we are the people who <laughs> want to look at this stuff and want to talk about the things. And, yeah. Um, and that's okay, because we'll have our niche. We'll have people who want to hear about um, these thoughts on the Wheel of Time and how it compares to the books, because... When, when you get into a topic, you just kind of want to hear a lot of different opinions on it. So yeah. I think this is, um, so like, I think I will be more prepared for season two when yes. we go into season two, because then um, I'll be like, okay, because we left it a completely, like Moraine is like stilled at the end of the Yes, that's first. another thing. Yeah, season and, like and Matt is not with the like party. this is a departure from. <laughs> yes. So, um, like, just going into season two, knowing things are not the same as the book, yep. is going to be you know much different. Yes. And I think I'll be able to better enjoy the the ride and not just be wrong spotting the whole time. Oh, that's not right. Oh, that's yeah. not right because. <laughs> That just totally steal, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. I think that was said by Roosevelt. Um, Sean Cannell. One of those. One of those those important people. Um, Yeah. And I'm like comparing the book to the show. So, um, yeah. yeah, But I I have a friend who was like, oh, yeah, my friend's watching it. They're like, oh, this is the best show on television. Like, you got to tune in and watch it and like. You know, that's a person who hasn't read the book. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think my wife was just getting into book one of um, The Wheel of Time. And I think 
watching the first um, season helped it like yeah. explain the summary of you know the story arc kind of in general. Yes, and then she's like listening to the book, so I think it's going to help her um, kind of have the story arc in her head before she goes through the yeah. long version with the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, just thoughts on like season two potential and like what they could do. Some interesting things that happened at the end of season one is you mentioned earlier that uh, Moraine is. So I don't think she's gentled. So I think there's something where like uh, Balesamon or the Dark One told her that you have the one power and it's like at your fingertips, but you just can't access it. So it's like something like where there's a there's like a block that she's not able to get past to like access her power. Whereas with gentling, it's like they completely remove your even access to it. Like you can't even feel it yeah, anymore. And that's like why the people go. Uh, yeah, and that's why they the people kill themselves because they feel like they're dead inside and they can't access something that they had before. Um, and so I think it's slightly different though that for what she's experiencing, um, and that could be something that happens later on in the books that we're not aware of because in book two at least there's a lot. Makes me want to t- just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> in book two go, there's a large goes. in book two there's a large portion of the story where like Moraine is like not really around. And she's like off. Um, I think she's back at the White Tower or something. But we're kind of on a journey with some of the other characters. So we don't really get to see a lot of what's happening um, with with Moraine. Um, and they could be pulling something that happens later on in the books and bringing it to the forefront of this season, which is something that they've that they've done in this first season, anyways. Like they're pulling things from other books um, to to really flesh out the world a little bit more, especially all the stuff with the Aes Sedai. Yeah. Because in book one, like we never even go to Tarvalon, basically the whole book, right? I don't think we ever go there. Um, but in this right, book, correct. they skip they skip a ton of different cities, and they basically just make it about Emmonsfield and Tarvalon. Yep. We don't meet so, the queen. Yeah, and Faldara. Yeah, we don't meet the queen. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that I think would be really cool to see in um, season two. Um, stuff with yeah rand meeting the queen and elaine and those different characters would be interesting to see and there's also i'm really interested to see um like all the stuff with uh celine who's a book two character that he meets along the way i think she's a super interesting character um so i'm excited to see who they cast for her um and uh, how that all goes um so and there's also like the little tease that they had that like towards the very end of the of the ep- of the last episode of all the ships coming in and i think that's like a oh the uh, sean chan yeah the sean chan so i think that's just like tease for where they're going for book two which is good because the sean chan have a pretty large part to play in the second book um so yeah looks like they're going to tackle that storyline um and the hunt for the horn because we had pot on fane uh take the horn and uh he got out of faldara and he's uh, on the run with it so um yeah and that's was, basically where book two, two begins yeah. is the hunt for the horn yeah for sure um yeah there are some interesting changes though like lord agomar i guess he was killed at that in that in the battle he got like that spear through his chest. I don't know if you remember that scene. Um, and we didn't really get to meet 
we didn't get to meet Lord Ingtar, um, or Commander Ingtar. Well, we met Uno. We met Uno. Uno, the guy with the one eye, he was in there. <laughs> but then they all get killed with Pada and Fane attacking them. That's the thing. Like, I don't know who oh, no. got killed in that scene, and like, was Lord Ingtar a part of that crew that got killed? Um, so yeah, it's just. And the other thing is, Rand said he's just gonna go off by himself at the end of the at the end of this episode. Like Rand is just going to go off by himself and Lan is going to take Moraine back to, I guess the white tower or something. Um, so there, it seems weird because like they're setting up like the hunt for the horn, but they're also saying that Rand is going to go off by himself. Whereas that doesn't really happen in the second book. Um, well, that was his plan. He wanted to leave and go off. By sure. Himself, yeah, he did. And then he just, he couldn't make himself leave Faldara. And he kind of just fell into this rhythm with land and training and yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, they've set up the start of the second book. Basically they, yes. they were in the blight. The horn is um, stolen. The Sean Chan are coming like it, you know, those, those three things are kind of what the second book is about. So yeah. Um, I guess we're going to see, uh, we're going to see what, life through the portal stone is and yes i'm interested in who uh how they cast Celine. um i'm interested to see the grome as a uh as a Those animated little... character yeah like Those the, beasts the bear yeah the bear uh frog things yeah and i'm crazy. also interested to see how they handle like rand and his channeling like does he learn more um like how does that progress? Cause if he's going off by himself, like he doesn't have anyone to like teach him anything. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm interested in about, uh, if they'll show him in the void because mm-hmm. they go into that more in the second book about him achieving the oneness and yes. the void. So I'm interested if they'll like yeah, show how him they... like focus and like yeah. the world just kind of drops away and yes. if they'll go into that yeah which in book two there's some pretty sweet scenes um especially towards the end they're like well i won't really talk about it because we'll do episodes on that but there's some pretty cool scenes with Rand in book two that i uh really enjoyed yeah and i'll be interested so, to i see mean i guess we're gonna yeah we're gonna um i think we're gonna do the hunt for the horn and we're gonna fight the sean chan i think that's what's on the uh on the yeah. docket and we'll definitely hit up um Camelin with all the Game of Thrones, Dias de Damar, the, the Game of Houses. Oh, not Camelin. We'll see that um, too. Uh, Carahine or something. Car- oh, yeah. Um, I can't Carian. remember. Carian. Carian? Thank you. Yes. Yep, it's Carian. Yep. Different, different town. There's too many towns, too many cities. That's okay. Um, but yes, that, that, that will be interesting sequence as well. Cause you get to see all of the, that, that will be really the game of Thrones, uh, portion of that, of the season for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, this, this whole thing with all these shows, like only being like eight episodes, I just feel like that is not enough time to really do the source material justice. You know, so like Game of Thrones at least had 10 episodes per season. 
and this only has eight. So that's basically two less hours that they have every season to, you know, do character building and world building and flesh out the story and that kind of stuff. Um, so, well, they're going to have 14 seasons. I mean, there's 14 <laughs> books, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If they, uh, that was a joke, everyone. Yeah. I, I think they're not gonna have. I think they can. Get, I think they can get that. That's a joke. You should never. We should never expect anything to go over. Like, if anything goes over five seasons, it's like a. It's a successful show. Um, I think they've sketched out like seven or eight, if I remember correctly, hearing from one of those bonus materials episodes that I watched. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Again, I'm looking at this from the critical book perspective. But if you're if you've never read the book, you're probably gonna love this show and love season two and love where it goes. Because I think everything around the show, like the showrunner is really good. He knows what he's doing. Um, again, I think all the casting is really well done. Um, one caveat though, for season two, uh, they have recast Matt. So uh, Barney Barney Harris. I think was the actor in season one. So he is no longer on the show, Um, which I think is one of the reasons that they had to make the change to Matt because he left the show. And so they didn't, they weren't able to shoot with him in the last few episodes. So they basically just had to take him out. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because they shot the show in chronological, chronological order of the episodes. Do Do you know why he's not with the show? Nobody was knows. Was his choice? Or was yeah, it was his choice, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, which, again, it's not the showrunner's fault. I think they had originally planned for him to go with everybody else. Um, so, because he that was the last episode he shot and that was the last episode they had, that's just where they had to have him go off by himself and not go into the ways with everybody else. So, that's another thing for season two. How will the new uh, actor playing Matt do? Um yeah, I mean, I think Barney Harris did a really good job as portraying Matt. Um, so I think he'll have some big shoes to fill for sure. But it'll be interesting to see how they what they do with him because he's not with the rest of the party. He's still back at Tarvalon and everybody else is up at Faldara. So it'll be interesting to see like how they reconcile that and what they're going to do with that whole plot line with Matt. Because um, in, in book two, he's basically with the whole party. He's with Rand and... Uh, parent for most of the book so yeah it'll be interesting for sure um but yeah i'm hopeful that it's still it will still be a really good show and yeah i just have to keep reminding myself that it's not the same as the book it's not never going to be and to um not be super critical of like the changes even though i really want to see different things that are in the book happen in the show but we can't always get what we want can we (laughs) <laughs> you can't always get what you want no i can't um i don't know any final thoughts gabe on the show season two whatever you um, want to talk about i'm um yeah i'm looking forward to um season two and i like i said i think it'll be easier to go into the second season uh knowing that it's just a different experience and I think the first season was all about just swallowing that bitter pill. We're not getting the book. Um, but it opens an opportunity. And that's what I don't want to, like, miss out on is that, like, we are getting to see the Wheel of Time 
but yes. like a new twist on it and a yep. new, you know, it's we like they're creating something new yep. and, you know, and, you know, I love being nostalgic and looking at old things. But at the same time, we need to keep our minds open for new things to see how they go, because sometimes they'll surprise you and be better than you thought they would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wasn't uh, I was a little bit too young to remember stuff with Lord of the Rings and ever that came out. But I know from reading um, other people who were who saw the movies when they first came out saying like that people whenever Fellowship of the Ring came out, like people were really mad about some of the changes that were made to the first movie. Like there was no Tom Bombadil. They brought in uh, Arwen as a more prominent character and replaced a different character with her. Um, so there was just some things that people really weren't happy about with the Lord of the Rings as a movie franchise. And now it's considered like one of the best like book to movie adaptations ever made. Some of the greatest films of all time. Um, so, and I have the same hope for things like the Witcher and the wheel of time that they could, um, you know, have that level of status within the fantasy community of like, these aren't the same as the book, but they're amazing for what they are. Um, I think that's like an important thing to remember as we uh, go along. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's a good place to end it. So those are our thoughts on the wheel of time season one um, as book readers, not as uh, completely uh, foreign to the show or to the books. So uh, if you have not seen the wheel of time, uh, you should definitely check it out. If you're a book fan, you should check it out for sure. Uh, if you've never seen the show or the book at all, I would recommend it. It's a good, good time, good acting, good action, uh, a lot of fun. Um, so the next episode, we're going to be doing some discussion on book two of the Wheel of Time. It's called The Great Hunt. And so we're going to be hunting for the Horn of Valir. And yes, yeah, so that's going to be what we're doing next. Um, if you want to get more content from pages of light you can head over to our website pagesoflight.com you can follow us on social media facebook instagram youtube all those different things if you want to support us make sure you go over to the youtube channel and subscribe um, so you can watch the video version of the podcast and you can follow gabe as well you can check out what he's doing at neighborhoodnerdservices.com and yeah links for all of those things will be in the description uh, I'll put a link to the Wheel of Time show, but I'm sure you can find it easily enough on just search it on Amazon. And yeah, thanks for tuning into our discussion today. Uh, there wasn't a ton of talk about Christian worldview stuff, but that's okay. We'll get back to more of that in the in the next episodes. Uh, so make sure you uh, keep reading and remember to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we will see you guys in the next episode. See you next time.